Hi, this is Paul Cowart, and you're listening to Bluegrass Jam Along, the podcast for anyone and everyone who plays bluegrass. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Um, the main interview this week is with Nick Lloyd of Nick Lloyd Double Basses, who made a bass for Paul Coet. But I thought it'd be really cool just to quickly chat to Paul as well about the bass, about working with Nick, about what he was looking for. Um, and that's what this episode is. So we've got a short interview with Paul coming up. Um, and after that, you'll get to hear Paul play the bass on a track from Hawktail's latest record. So stick around at the end for that. Um, here comes the interview, and I'll add the track on at the end. So welcome back to Bluegrass Jam Along, Paul Coet. Thanks for doing this. Of course. Nice to see you again, Matt. I chatted to you a few months ago for the podcast about Hawktail's new record, and Nick Lloyd, who made your bass, heard that and got in touch. Um, and I got chatting to him, and I thought it'd be really cool to to sort of look at how a double bass is made, um, because I don't know much about it, and I'm sure some of the listeners don't. But particularly like a, an instrument that is made as a specific sort of copy of another instrument and made for you, I thought that'd be fascinating to get a little bit of input from you as well on why you particularly like that bass and, and sort of working with Nick. Yeah. Um, I think probably the beginning of it is just that Edgar, Edgar Meyer has been a huge influence on my bass playing and musicianship since before I studied with him at Curtis. And since then to this day, um, and he plays a very unique instrument. 1769 Gabrielli uh, from Florence, Italy. And um, it's compared to the, the norms in bass making today. Uh, it's a slightly smaller body with a, a normal string length and um, a low overstand and low projection, um, which kind of, yeah, that goes against the norms of, of bass making today. Uh, there's a lot of really wonderful basses being made. Um, and that's very exciting. Um, however, what makes um, Edgar's bass really um, special and unique by definition, it stands apart from those, those norms. So, um, uh, yeah, I was looking for something like Edgar's bass for, for years and um, found some old instruments that were really wonderful and, and could have worked, but for something um, like maybe one of them is just extraordinarily expensive. One of them has just um, a weak point in one register. That's really important to me. And uh, um, so I, I wasn't really finding anything I could really be confident about and move forward with. Um, and, Nick had been uh, working on uh, on making me a bass for for a couple of years, and um, was showing me basses that were a lot like what he had been making, which are more in the vein of the norms of, of bass making, and in, in terms of the size of the body and the projection and, and all that stuff. So uh, he was determined to make me something that I liked. And so I, you know, he said, what do you want? And I said, I really wish I had something like Edgar's bass. So he said, well, let's copy it. And I'm lucky that Edgar has been a, um, a presence in my life. Um, 
and uh, helped me out with bass playing and music for a long time and continues to. And, um, so, uh, we, he, he let us take measurements of the, of the bass and, and make a, a copy. And that's really cool. I mean, it's the, you know, it's the idea of replicating and there's, there's a bit, I guess there's a bit of risk in that replicating an instrument that you know so well and is, you know, part of that sound that you've heard for years and years and years, like the, the first time you get to play that, this sort of expectation must be enormous. Yeah. I mean, um, I think maybe that, that's built on an idea that isn't quite actually the truth in terms of like, um, it, if I had really thought about this and realized this, I might've tried to pursue making a copy sooner. Um, it, you know, the point isn't to make something that sounds just like his bass for me, maybe it is for Nick. For me, it's just uh, getting the best bass for what I'm looking that the best bass I can get for what I'm, trying to do. Hmm. That's the point. I mean, almost in a way, like, would it be weird if it sounded exactly like his face? (laughs) That would be kind of weird. Um, And it doesn't sound exactly like it. Um, And, uh, and I, I don't actually, I'm trying to think if anybody like, you know, Zygmunt Tovich is like this violin maker of great renown who, um, uh, do, do any of his copies or, you know, finest instruments sound exactly like one of the things that they are, uh, inspired by. I'm, uh, I don't even know if that's the point. I, I don't actually know. Um, yeah, and that's but, a really cool way of looking at it. sort of being inspired by rather than, like it being an exercise and trying to recreate something. Well, I think in the end you get what you get. Um, and, you know, um, experience and expertise, um, skill, you know, contribute to making something that is objectively fine you know, like a fine instrument and sounds like it. Um, but I think in terms of like getting, like landing on it, like a voice that sounds indiscernible from another instrument, I, I think, I think you just get what you get, but, um, there are features of this instrument that are important to me that do resemble his instrument and help, help me make music in a similar, use the bass in a similar way. And that's the point. And to me, and that's probably the meat of what I can contribute to this conversation is, um, that yes. Yeah. You're right. That there was some expectation and anxiety about trying it once it was finished. Um, but yeah, not expecting it to sound the same, but what can I do with this? You know, get it in my hands. What does it do? What can I do with it is the point. And, um, compared to 
all the other modern basses I've played, this has um, a very focused sound. Um, and um, a tenor sort of voice. Um, doesn't have as much low information obscuring the, um, like, uh, obscuring what I'm putting into the instrument with my hands. Um, uh, obscuring the, uh, the clarity, the articulation, like the diction of the instrument. Um, that doesn't have a bunch of uh, of this of the certain low range that other basses do have that obscure that stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I was particularly after um, a bass that didn't that that was clear and focused. Um, and beautiful and, and sort of powerful. Um, That's really I, interesting. Just you, sort of describing a voice there because both in Hawktail and Punch Brothers, sort of the instruments are arranged as like, I, I sort of hear voices when I hear those instruments. Like if, whereas if you had a double bass in an orchestra that is surrounded by 75 other instruments, it plays a very different role. And when you've got four or five acoustic instruments played together, the individual voice of each one stands out much more than it would in a string ensemble. Um, and something that's maybe got a bit more like tenor, as you describe it. It's, it's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that as a as a thing. But certainly, particularly when you play bowed up the neck quite a lot and play a lot of melody lines, something that has that, um, that, that makes a huge amount of sense to how I've heard you play it. Well, and actually... Um... One of it's almost more like in the lower registers where this instrument stands apart because on a on a more typical bass in the lower registers is where it really will get like you know um, muffled or um, where the where those yeah and I can I can play low on this instrument and still um, be articulate. And, um, and, and the pitch is, uh, is, um, you can latch onto the pitch. Um, so it's, yeah, it's actually just all, it's all over the instrument. It's not just the upper register and it's not, um, uh, yeah. And it, and it's not so ringy. Like a lot of basses these days are kind of ringy. They like, you play a note and you almost hear a resonance in the instrument. Um, that is kind of alluring to a lot of people. Um, and that's actually not what I am looking for. That kind of like obscures the clarity to me. And you're really interesting to sort of talking about, um, like partly sort of coming back to just wanting a base that could do what you wanted it to do, like describing it as a tool. Is that how much it costs and how much time it takes to put together and how much craftsmanship goes into it? It is there to serve how you want to make music, but it's in the, and the way you phrased it was about how, what you put into it with your hands and sort of just sort of flip back to the bit about 
sounding like an instrument it was copied from. Well, he never will because that instrument has much older wood in it. But also, you're playing it, and like you, you will sound like you, and Edgar will sound like Edgar. Whatever you're playing, you know, like all great musicians have a voice that is not entirely or even mostly to do with the instrument they play. Like the instrument can bring it out and you look for an instrument that amplifies your voice rather than the other way around, I guess. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a complex thing. And I think my, my, uh, my job right now is to kind of just, um, learn as much as I can from the instrument and, um, kind of let it uh, let it influence me as much as I can um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, 18 anymore um, but I can try to be <laughs> um, and you know my as I come, come to the instrument and um, yeah think about that it's it's influencing the way I play I'll say yeah that's that's happening I can I can I can choose different fingerings I can play different registers on different strings I can I can play a higher register on lower strings Um, I don't I, I can I can achieve um like articulation um, on the instrument in a different way, um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying I'm I'm coming to the instrument I'm coming towards it as as much as I can. Yeah, and that's I love that idea of it almost like it's a conversation with the instrument rather than like I just I described it as a tool which is maybe slightly clumsy and that it responds to. You know, you're you're basically using it to achieve a function, but actually, the way you just described it sounds much more like like for you to be learning from the instrument as well, and for that to be an ongoing process of you putting something into it and it puts something into you. And I find that fascinating. Any any instrument, any musician who has a long term relationship with a single instrument, like you think of Tony Rice and his, you know, the, the antique, or you know, there's there's so many players out there that have a like sort of lifetime relationship almost with one instrument. And, um, and I find that fascinating because it's, you know, they, you get so used to people getting bored and flipping a guitar and getting another one or wanting to try everything. Or, and the idea that somebody might spend, like the bassist Danny Thompson has a bass that he, I think he calls it Victoria, that he's, you know, been playing for decades. I love Danny Thompson. He's been playing that for decades, you know. Yeah. And I just find that really, uh, there's something quite moving and inspiring about that kind of relationship with an instrument. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you know, I I've been looking for an instrument that does certain things as as much as I can find. Um, but ultimately you, you play the instrument and um, you let it guide you as well. I mean, you just, you have to, it's you're, the, the music is coming out of that, that box. So, and it's got to sound like music. 
Cool. Uh, it's really great catching up with Paul again, and I hope you found that interesting. Do go and listen to the interview with Nick about making Paul's space. That was a really cool conversation too. Um, this track coming up here is called Updraft, and that is the fourth track of Hawktail's recent record, Place of Growth. Um, and I had a chat with Paul about having a little sample in here so you could hear the bass, and this is the one he was really keen to use as a great example of how the bass sounds. So here comes a bit of Updraft. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Happy picking. Bluegrass Jamalong is proud to be sponsored by Collings Guitars and Mandolins, making some of the finest guitars and mandolins in the world since the 1970s. Visit collingsguitars.com and find out why.